Welcome to In the Studio with Michael Card. We're excited to feature this classic edition of the program from sessions at the Mole End Studio in Franklin, Tennessee. What you'll hear now was recorded several years ago. Though some of the details about guests and ministries may have changed, the powerful lessons from the music and conversations are timeless. Our web and email address hasn't changed, but now you can connect via Facebook or Twitter when you search for Michael Card. We hope to hear your reactions to this classic edition of In the Studio. This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard. We have a whole hour before us mm-hmm. of interesting topics and people stopping by the studio today. Yeah, another good day of uh, guests and, uh, and topics. Yep, Steve Green yeah. stopping by later yeah, in the broadcast wonderful. today. Steve's a good buddy of yours, has he been is. for a long time. And he's going to share with us uh, what he's working on now, just wh- where he is. And I think a lot of people are uh, anxious to know what Steve yeah. uh, is up to now. We all love Steve. He'll be here yeah. in the second half of the program along with Dr. Lyle Dorsett. Yep. Uh, Lyle is now at Beesom. Um, Divinity School, right? Yeah, uh, an expert on the uh, C.S. Lewis. That's yes. how most of us know. Uh, but that's Dr. not what Dorsey. we're talking about today with him. No, we'll be talking about Wesley, and right. uh, I'm looking forward. I've never met him face to face, but I met him on the phone, and <laughs> I'm about to just get in the car and go down and spend the day <laughs> with this man. I met him when he was at Wheaton College for many years. Hmm. Uh, Michael, this is Black History Month, yes. and uh, we didn't plan it this way necessarily, but we want to talk about biblical allusions to slavery in the New Testament and, and Old Testament, as a matter of fact. Yeah, that's that's something I. I've been I've been working on for about the last two years, so you know me, Wayne. I've got all my 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 <laughs> notebooks, you know, uh, all all stapled you've together. Done the work. I've done the work, but now I'm I'm synthesizing it and trying to put it together into a book uh, called uh, A Better Freedom. And we can talk about all that later. Okay. But it, I think you're going to be interested in finding out how much our identity. Uh, is is connected to this idea of slavery. Yeah, and you say, and you will tell us that we need to understand this so we, we get a deeper understanding of the, of the Bible. Yeah, and, absolutely. And God's message. Okay, we'll do that in just a minute. We're going to ask you to sing a song for us. One more thing today. Okay. We are so excited about our partnership now with RBC Ministries out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Matter of fact, our good friend Bill Houston is uh, nearby in the studio here today. Yeah, we've sort of ramped into this relationship. Uh, I, I've, I've been writing for... Uh, uh, Our Journey magazine, which is one of their uh, periodicals for a couple of years now. And then I got to do a couple of day of discoveries uh, mm-hmm. programs, got to go to Israel. Those were wonderful TV yeah. programs. Yeah, so we're partnering with them in a lot of different ways. Did, last record uh, they mm-hmm. did and, and uh, some books, and so it's pretty exciting. All right, online at rbc.net, and we will link that at michaelcard.com, of course. So yeah. it's all right there. We urge you to check that out. All right. Let's get started with asking you to sing a song for us here in the studio. What have you chosen today? Well, th- this is a song uh, about uh, discipleship, about uh, this threefold relationship that we see in the New Testament between uh, Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy. And um, we're, we're going to use this to get into the New Testament and start our discussion about uh, slavery. It's called Bearers of the Light. Michael Card in the studio. The light we must bear is the light we must share is the light that illumines the darkness. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. He will walk beside us, a strong friend Barnabas. He will be that sure shoulder to lean on. The promise we share is our burden to bear and our light tells the darkness to be gone the light we must bear is the light we must share is the light that illumines the darkness the promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light he will come after me this young Timothy looking for someone to guide him I will kindle his light make him strong for the fight I will promise to be there beside him the light we must bear is the light we must share is the light that illumines the darkness the promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light 
And so we must claim in His powerful name the promise the Bible has spoken. We must understand that a cord of three strands cannot be easily broken. The great need of us all, a true mentor, a Paul, who has traveled the road that's before us. He has made good the pledge to take the light on ahead. We can follow his footsteps before us. The light we must bear is the light we must share, is the light that illumines the darkness. Promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. Thank you, Michael. Jesus, the light of the world, and we are bearers of that light. Yeah, that's the call. Hmm. All right. I am really anxious to hear what you've been researching and studying. You're leading up to another book, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Um, in, a, in a letter to uh, a first century letter from Ignatius, the start, this is going to sound boring, but I think it's really cool. Uh, he was writing to Polycarp. Mm-hmm. Polycarp was the great yes, martyr right. of the church, right? Um, and and what, what was going on in, in, in the first century was that uh, members of the church would go into the slave market and sell themselves to set other slaves free. That was their ministry. So that was becoming yeah. a fairly common thing. Wow. Uh, there was, uh, in the church, and of course a lot of the early Christian church uh, were slaves. In fact, some people looked down upon Christians as it was a slave religion. Hmm. But um, one of the things that was happening was that slaves that were in the church were starting to put pressure on the pastors to buy them out of slavery. Like, that's well, that's <laughs> that's what you should do. This should come out of the, you know, the church funds. Uh-huh. and. And, you know, there was a little bit of conflict. Well, Ignatius writes uh, Polycarp. This is about 110. And, and he's, ex- he's explaining this whole business of um, people selling themselves. But he says, uh, but let, let slaves serve the more faithfully to the glory of God that they may obtain a better freedom hmm. from God. I want to call the book, at least that's the working title, is a, a better, better freedom. freedom. Because it's one of those wonderful paradoxes. You know, all the great truths in the New Testament are all end up being paradoxes. Jesus is fully God. He's fully man, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, and, and, and for Christians who are, who, who are so hungry for freedom, uh, I think uh, most of the New Testament says, well, then come be a slave of Christ. Michael, of course, when we think about slavery, it's hard for us to divorce that from our American experience. Right. But we, that's not really what we're talking about here. Well, in a sense, I suppose in a way, but we need to go deeper than that. Too. Well, and, and that's that's something that I think needs to be clarified some, because if, if you pick up a book on first century slavery, the, the introduction, and I've been reading a lot of them over the last two years, the introductions all basically say you know, we need to forget American, uh, African-American slavery because first century slavery that's referenced in the New Testament is completely different. And so basically you've got to go back and learn all of this yeah. old stuff. And that's partly true, but it's, I think it's partly not true. Okay. I, would, I would like to say that uh, the African-American experience, which was embodied in, in the black church uh, of the last century or so, uh, is a wonderful bridge, I think, to to get into the the topic. And okay. and uh, as as our programs progress, we're going to talk some to some African American pastors, uh, specifically Denny. I think is going to get our discussion mm-hmm. going in the direction of you know what what about a, a congregation of people who in their prayers uh, refer to Jesus as Master. You don't find that in the white church. As Denny does often yeah. when he's praying here in the studio with yeah, us. Yeah, so we're going to have that discussion with Denny. And, and, and so I don't want to just say forget about African-American slavery, yeah. but um, there, there was a significant difference. Uh, first of all, it, it wasn't a racial uh, thing in the first century. Mm-hmm. Uh, slaves were— It was a class thing. It, it was a class thing, and, peop- and slaves were indistinguishable. Uh, you you wouldn't know if you were talking to a slave or not. In fact, uh, the Senate, the Roman Senate, uh, began a bill uh, to say, you know, we need to uh, mandate that slaves dress differently. And Seneca, who was one of the great orators, said uh, finally, you know, I don't think that's a good idea because if they see how numerous they are, hmm. we're going to have a revolt on our hands. Interesting. So those are the kinds of issues wow. they had to deal with. But the, the the main difference is, though, first century slavery was always going somewhere. 
uh, there was uh, the opportunity for a person who was enslaved to uh, eventually buy themselves out of slavery. Legally, uh, most slaves were freed. In fact, it, for one period in Roman history, it was mandated that by 30 they could be uh, freed, become freedmen. And uh, that wasn't always the case in African-American slavery. Uh, occasionally, and we know right here in, in Williamson County, right next to uh, Puckett's where we eat, mm-hmm. there's a very famous man named Dick Pointer who was a slave who bought himself out of slavery by mm-hmm. making chairs. So, the, the, you know, there are yeah. – it's a very complicated uh, issue. Yeah, I see. And yeah. I'm, I'm really um, looking forward to our conversation yeah. stretched out over the next few weeks here talking about this. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know you're going to talk about the Old Testament too, but yeah. you're saying that the entire context of the New Testament then is built around this cultural context of slavery. Yeah, w- what I like to say, this is sort of the safest way I could say, when, whenever you get into a topic, at least whenever I get into a topic, you're tempted to go, this is what it's this all every, about, Wayne. Yeah, <laughs> it's all it's all about Hesse. Yeah. It's yeah. all about the scandal. It's a part of it, and you're bringing out that part. Exactly. And and what I would like to say, Wayne, is that this concept of slavery is is one of the fundamental uh, categories in terms of our identity and and, and who we are. In but there Jesus. is a sense in which it's almost lost. Is that why you're bringing it to our yeah, attention? Yeah, I think it is lost. Um, everyone's looking. Uh, I've got list a uh, list here. Do you want to find rest? How do you find rest? Jesus says, "Take up my yoke." Uh, do you want to become great? I mean, you won't admit it, but you do. <laughs> I do. Jesus, become a slave. Uh, do you want to be free? You want to find real freedom? Paul says, become a slave to Christ, because yeah. that's the only way you're really going to be free. And uh, and so let's just sort of come now, let us reason together and, and look at the first century and, and look at uh, some of these passages. From just a, a few minutes of dialogue with you on this, Michael, uh, I can think of several words in mm-hmm. the New Testament yep. that come to mind immediately. Yep bond servant and, and bondage, uh, those those pop up often. Yep. But you're saying that there's even another level beneath that that, that are allusions to slavery. Oh, yeah. Well, we, you know, you have deacons in your church, the the Greek word diakonoi, that's a slave. Uh, our, our words for redemption, our words for justification, our words for reconciliation are all from slavery, out of slavery. Uh, and then practically, and this is to me one of the most uh, stark uh, things, is that almost everyone in the New Testament sooner or later identifies themselves as a slave. Paul is doing it yeah. uh, in, in at least four of his letters. It's pretty easy to spot those. Yeah, and he uses all kinds of uh, examples of, of slavery, positive and negative. Yeah. That's another thing that makes it a little bit complicated. Yeah, and then we have Onesimus, of course. On- Onesimus, so we have a whole letter from Paul uh, written for a, a runaway slave, but James identifies himself as a slave. Peter identifies himself as a slave. Uh, Mary, when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary, she says, behold, now now we translate it handmaiden. Nice because, word. Yeah, we want to, we do, we want to soften that. Yeah. Uh, in fact, another sideline, you know, the, the word appears about 250 times. And in the King James Version, it's translated, the word for slave is translated slave twice. Everywhere else it's just servant, well, and, when, and it misses that, the yeah. power. When was that translation done? Yeah, <laughs> and, and it was done at a time when there was a more of a distinction between mm-hmm. slaves and servants. Mm-hmm. But but Mary, I was going back to that, uh, when Gabriel comes to Mary to tell her that she is going to bear the Messiah, she says, behold the slave of the Lord, and it's the feminine word for doulos, slave. Wow. Wow. Simeon, in the next chapter in Luke 2, uh, who had received this great promise that he wouldn't die until Jesus, uh, he had seen Jesus. When when he receives that word, he says, and, and it's translated, I think in NIV, let your servant depart in peace. But literally it's now you can manumit or you can dismiss your slave. Yeah, It's almost unfair that we bring this up and have to drop it so quickly here yeah. today. But we are going to continue this conversation, oh, this teaching. For, for, for some time now, we'll be talking about this. <laughs> it's really exciting. Yeah. And to know that we're kind of on the ground floor of what may become a book. In the yeah, future. well, it will become, it will become, it will, a, book. Will become right. a book. It yeah. will become a book yes. for Michael Card. All yeah, right. and listeners, hey, pray. How about, how about praying for me on this? Yeah, good idea. I need the help. Coming up, we'll talk with Dr. Lyle Dorsett. But first, Michael, we're going to ask you to sing again here in the studio. This is from the CD Present Reality about the life of Paul, and it's called Could It Be? Michael sings now in the studio. Ken Lewis playing percussion. Steve Mikesell has his bass here with Michael. In the ebb and flow of living As we wander through the years We're told to listen to a voice 
we can't hear with our ears. They say to live by something that you can't see with your eyes. Is there really any purpose to this foolish exercise? Could it be you make your presence known so often by your absence? Could it be the questions tell us more? ever do Could it be that you would really rather die than live without us Could it be the only answer that means anything is you In our words and in our silence In our pride and in our shame the genius and the scholar, to the foolish and insane, to the ones who care to seek you, and to the ones who never will. You are the only answer, even still. Thank you, Michael and Ken and Steve. Could it be? Well, we are excited today to have Dr. Lyle Dorsett back with us on the broadcast, Michael. Welcome back, Dr. Dorsett. It's good to be back. Good to hear the voices of you people. <laughs> I used to bump into you once in a while in Wheaton, Illinois, but now you've moved all the way to Alabama. Well, moved to Alabama where I was able to uh, give up my snow shovel and, uh, and my snow blower. That's a good thing. But the real the real question is, why is a good Anglican down you like you down there with all those Baptists? Well, you know, Beeson Divinity School is uh, Timothy George is our founding dean, uh-huh. and uh, while he is a Baptist, he's uh, in the best sense of the word a very ironic and ecumenical man who believes that people who stand on the the faith once delivered and uh, who stand firmly in the tradition of the Protestant Reformation, regardless of their tradition, ought to be working together. And so we have a seminary of, uh, we limit it to 180 or 185 students during wow. any given year. And we have uh, about 19 faculty representing numerous traditions. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got uh, Presbyterians, Anglicans, we've got Baptists, we've got Independents, we've got an African Methodist Episcopal. A little slice of heaven there, huh? It's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a great community because yeah. we, there's really a marvelously uh, ironic and charitable spirit, mm-hmm. and the students are within perimeters of strong, inerrant biblical orthodoxy, are encouraged to uh, work alongside people of other traditions and learn how, how do we work together. We don't surrender our distinctives, but we yes. don't try to proselytize one another to join us either. Yeah, I, w- I was down there not too long ago, and I was amazed at the chapel that's down there. It's very, uh, I mean, ec- I mean, I don't know if ecumenical is the right word, but it's not It's not what you would have expected in a Baptist university. Well, and see, that the Samford University is Baptist, but the seminary, by its charter, is multi-traditional. Yeah. So that, that makes the difference. Well, it's even <clears throat> reflected in the chapel, so I think y- y'all are on to something down there. Yeah, you look in that rotunda and those uh, portraits of all the great saints. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you have a wide range. You have John Wesley, who we're going to talk about a little bit today, uh, as well as Calvin and Luther. And it's just in Augustine. It's, it's a marvelous uh, William Seymour. It's a marvelous gathering. Mm. Seymour, of course, was the African-American who was uh, one of the key leaders in the Uh, Pentecostal revival in the early 20th century. Well, let's talk about John Wesley. We want to talk about particularly his views on abolition today, but I understand his his life played quite a role in your life. 
Well, before I, I'm a midlife convert to the faith, and, and before I became a Christian, when I was in my 30s, I was teaching history, and I, I taught American history, and I'd studied British history as well. And uh, I was always taken by John Wesley. He was one of the few Christians that stood out to me historically who I felt had made an enormous difference in uh, bringing change for good, mm. not only in his own country, but around the world. And I was especially struck by his leadership in the anti-slavery movement. Mm. Who was John Wesley? Well, John Wesley was born, his life spanned almost the entire 18th century. He was born in 1703 in England and died in 1791. Mm. And he was an Oxford graduate. He had two degrees from Oxford. He was ordained in the Anglican Church. It was the faith he was raised in, and he had been a missionary for a time in uh, in Georgia, in the colonies, and uh, he was uh, also a uh, a traveling preacher over the years. He had what he called really his conversion experience in 1738, the famous statement of when he when he said his heart was strangely warmed, and he mm. went from really a works righteousness in his life to mm. understanding that he was saved by grace through faith, that it wasn't his works. And he, uh, he, he really was changed enormously, and uh, he, that, that event happened after many, many months and even years of wrestling in his soul and trying to find peace with God mm. through various uh, you know, striving to be holy, but he heard a man reading from Luther's introduction to his commentary on Romans, and the the Holy Spirit touched him, and he understood for the first time that he really was saved by grace. And from that point on, I mean, he had he had good news as he saw it, and he traveled all over the United Kingdom hmm. and uh, preaching that people really had to be born again, and uh, hmm. a lot of a lot of British Christians, especially sacramentalists, had believed that, you know, if you're baptized and confirmed, you're in. And mm. Wesley said, that's not right. Mm. Well, um, Dr. Dorsett, I was interested, and I've been, I've been reading on uh, uh, some of the backgrounds of uh, the slavery movement in, uh, in America, and I had no idea that uh, Wesley uh, had been so, uh, so much a part of reaching out uh, to the slave community. I didn't know any, anything like that had ever happened. Well, he really did, and it, it's it's a there's a strain in Wesley, first of all, that I think just needs to be seen, <clears throat> and it's manifested in his his own theology and in the way he did things, and that is he had a very sensitive and tender heart towards poor people mm-hmm. and to the marginalized, and uh, as as he argued, and I think he's right, the same way that the Savior did. Yeah. And anyway, when he was in Georgia, and he was not a very successful missionary in terms of church planting or even seeing many people converted, but he was appalled by the institution of slavery. He in particular wanted to see uh, slaves educated, and most of the slave owners did not want to see them educated. I think they were afraid of what would happen. So he was advocating the... uh, the education of slaves, and uh, that made him unpopular. Yeah. Well, I know that late, later on it became a law that uh, that was after Wesley's time, but it was still before the Civil War. There was a there was a law that slaves couldn't be taught to read. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But he he was always battling against those kinds of things, yeah. and this was one of the points of contention even between uh, George Whitfield and John Wesley. They had some theological. Uh, you know, wars, so to speak, and mm. sometimes they heated up almost a warlike fashion, mm. although they ministered together. And But uh, Whitfield was supportive of slavery and said it could be supported through the scriptures in, in Georgia, where he was. And, and Whitfield had a tender heart towards the poor, but he took a more what would be called a traditional position on slavery at that time. Mm. And Wesley increasingly over the years became markedly and vehemently anti-slavery. And it wasn't just in this country either. I mean, this is the time before Wilberforce had succeeded in uh, his abolition efforts in British-ruled world at that time. Well, that's right. And frankly, as, as a secular historian before I was a Christian, I understood, as did most historians, uh, 
that John Wesley was the man whom God used to plant the fire into William Wilberforce's soul. Wow, I didn't know that. And Wilberforce led the charge that abolished the slave trade in in Britain in uh, 1807. In fact, a lot of people don't know this, but the last letter John Wesley wrote before he died in 1791 was to William Wilberforce. And it, it's a fascinating letter, and uh, and it it really pours out his heart. Uh, do, do you want me to take time to mention it? Or I w- you, no, I'd love to hear about it. A couple, couple minutes. Go ahead. I'm looking for my pen to write this down. Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wesley had been reading a book by a freed slave uh, titled The Interesting Narrative of the Life of Gustavus Bassa. Yep. And um, Wesley had read the book. And it just continued to pour coals on the fire. And he was moved by this black man's story, and he was especially appalled in learning about it, that blacks, their testimony would never be accepted. Even if they were free blacks, their testimony would never be accepted in a court of law over that of a white man. And so he writes a letter on November 24th, Uh, to William Wilberforce, and I I have it here in front of me, and I want to quote it. He said, slavery is an execrable villainy. Hmm. Another time he called it the excrement of British society. He said, slavery is an execrable villainy, which is the scandal of England and of human nature. Hmm. He said, I'm shocked when a man has a black skin, and if he is wronged or attacked by a white man, he has no redress. Hmm. Uh, the letter is very evangelical, and, and he challenges Wilberforce, and this is the last letter he wrote, and it really touched Wilberforce. He said, go on in the name of God and in the power of his might, till even American slavery, the vilest that ever saw the sun, shall banish before it. Wow, it took wow. nearly another 20 years then for that to happen in England. I, I'm sorry our time has gone here, but that, that enough is, gets us thinking about this, Michael. Yeah, what are some other resources? What are some of the best books we can uh, find to read read more about this? Well, I think probably there are a lot of biographies of Wesley, but the one I like best is Roy Hattersley, H-A-T-T-E-R-S-L-E-Y, Roy Hattersley, The Life of John Wesley. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hattersley uh, does, uh, you know, quite a bit with this and puts it in a good context. We'll put that book title on our website, michaelcard.com. Yeah. Dr. Lyle Dorsett, our time is always too brief with you, but you'll be back with us again, I hope. Thank you. And with that, we've reached the halfway point here in the studio with Michael Card. We hope that you'll take a moment and let us know what you think of this program. If today's conversations have prompted some questions you have about the Bible or living the Christian life, please pass those along to us at inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Also, I want to remind you that you can find out more about this program and Michael's ministry by going online to michaelcard.com. Through the web, you can access our audio archive or find out how to easily link to our program podcast. Coming up in the second half, Michael will interact with listener emails and then our good friend Steve Green joins us to talk about creativity and how God is working in his life. This and great music waiting for you coming up after this break. There's a new session coming next week in the studio with Michael Card. You'll get to meet David Miller, a professor and tour guide in Israel. He'll share insights on Jesus, the Good Shepherd. And author and historian Kevin Belmonte joins us to discuss the art of writing biography. Have a change of pace with some rich conversation and music that will help you connect truth to your soul. Subscribe when you search for Michael Card in iTunes or Google Play. We are back in the studio with Michael Card. Do so many different things in the program today, yeah. and kind of hard to keep up with you and our producer Joe sometimes. Yeah, but you know, isn't it fun though? Going from one thing to the next, it, it really is. Yeah. And we're going now to some emails that we've gotten recently yeah. in the studio at michaelcard.com. This some, one comes from Roger, who says he titles it "Podcast Heaven." By the yeah, way, yeah, great. Some great encouragement, by the way. <laughs> we get a lot of feedback from those of you who listen to the program yeah. via the internet. Um, maybe you download the podcast. He says, "I've been a listener of your show for about a year." Thank you so much for putting these shows together. They've much meaning in starting out my day. Mm-hmm. I listen as I drive to work, and he gives us some other details yeah. there. He says, though, hopefully I did not trample on too many copyright laws, but I used a portion of a program with some fifth and sixth graders this past Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. First of all, 
Roger, God bless you. For, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's very creative, though, what he's doing, you know, with 75 to 85 kids in wow. the class. And he put some pictures with the uh, Calvin Miller and Phil Keggy piece that we did yeah. a while back. So. Yes. This last Sunday before Christmas, we focused on the idea of stories. We usually have about 75 to 85 kids in the class. So we needed we need a variety of ways to connect the Bible and a relationship with Christ that they will connect with. We did several types of story by reading a teacher's experience growing up and and uh, using visuals with the story. That is so uh, creative. so creative. Yeah, yeah. good and, job. And and what better one to use than the one with Calvin? Oh. Calvin reading his poem. Do you remember the and, day Phil Kagey was here and we played Calvin reading and and he just oh it was it was a moment I'll never forget. <laughs> Phil improvised on the guitar as Calvin right. was reading this poem. One take. Yeah. <laughs> It was well. It was a Phil Kagi moment. He's, he's <laughs> Thank amazing. you, Roger. In the studio at michaelcard.com. All right. Well, time for a couple of more of these notes from listeners. Here's one from Carolyn. You know, this really grabs your heart when you read this. Yeah. She says, "I wanted to send an email to let you know how much your program meant to me on a Saturday evening. I was driving on the road alone and cried a lot of the time I was listening to you. Mm. A lot of the tears were unexplainable." You've had that experience, haven't you? Michael? Yeah. Well, yeah. when something brushes up against your soul, uh, I think the, the the natural thing that happens is that tears come. She said, "I was feeling very lonely and alone." Then you said that there's someone out there that's listening that feels alone and needs encouragement right now. Yeah. And I broke out in sobs. She says, mm. "God was hearing me and answering my unspoken prayers through you." Yeah, isn't it amazing how how God is so transcendent in time? Because obviously we weren't saying that at the no. time she was experiencing it, but the yes. Lord knew. And uh, and even though Wayne, that is a hard one to hear, um, it's it's still that's that's what we're trying to do is just give some encouragement and uh, and and because of the gospel and because of Emmanuel, we can't be alone. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't be alone. Anymore. You'll often hear us ask Michael or guests here in the studio to pray, and that's not time just to fill here no. on the radio. That really is sincere. And when we ask you to pray, um, be thinking that there are people out there like Carolyn Absolutely. who are the recipients of that. So thanks for tracking with us in that regard. All right, one more, and we have time here. This comes from, what's the name on this one? Matthew. Matthew, okay. Matthew says, I was saved in 1990, but seemed to let discouragement and disappointment in life get me off the path for the last few years. Join the club, Matthew. God in his wisdom allowed me to wander down some paths until I was ready to hear what he wanted so badly for me to hear. Mm. My marriage of 26 years is seemingly dead, although we remain together. My oldest daughter is living with her boyfriend, and my Uh. next oldest is doing the same. None of my four kids are saved, and on top of that, we have a mountain of debt. Isn't God amazing? He wanted so much for me to get what has been missing all those years. He allowed all this to come to me. He blew a holy wind through me and opened my eyes to see myself. And I have to tell you, there wasn't much left. Mm -hmm. I had all these problems, big problems, none of which I can fix. And Mm -hmm. then you want to pick it up from there? Yeah. Um, When he opened my eyes to this, I fell on my knees in thankfulness for bringing light to my life. I realized I had never surrendered, always holding back. Now I prayed and submitted myself totally to Jesus' lordship, telling him that I'm all in. Uh, All my hope, all my trust is in him and not in a prayer in a foxhole way. Sure, I want him to help me out of all this, but I'm trying to live at the point that I will remain submitted no matter what. And then he quotes Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Um, and and that's that's the tone of someone whose eyes have been opened that, that you know, God uses all things. Uh, he can bless us in all situations. And sometimes he doesn't cause, but sometimes he allows things to happen in our lives that make us realize how much we really do need him. Lo, I'm with you always. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, I'd like to ask you to sing a song that fits right in with the tone of Matthew's note here. Jeff Taylor is going to join yeah. you on the accordion on this one. It's called I Will Not Walk Away. I drove the nails, I raised the cross, I was the reason that he died. Utterly unfaithful then, I added anger to my sin. In a world already dark to me, I closed my eyes and would not see. So I may kick and I may scream, 
Say many things I do not mean Hold blindly to what is not true But I will not walk away from you Just why I choose to disobey I simply cannot tell Why I blame you when I rebel And weep for wounds I give myself Then screaming at an empty sky I search for you and wonder why Though I cause you so much agony You refuse to walk away from me Don't read me pointless poems, friend Don't diagnose, don't condescend Though you may seem right to disagree I need someone to weep with me I made the man of sorrow sorry By all my foolish lies I drove the nails, I raised the cross I was the reason that he died So I may kick and I may scream Say many things I do not mean Hold blindly to what is not true But I will not walk away from you I've just been thinking back a few years, Michael, when we first started recording radio programs together. Do you remember one of the first guests who ever joined us? I think one of the first people we took advantage of was Steve Green. (laughs) (laughs) And we're still taking advantage of him That's what brothers are for, (laughs) right? That's right. Steve, welcome back. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Not a a long trip for you to come to the studio, though. It sure took me like five minutes, I think. I always honk when I go by your house, but I don't don't know know if you can hear me or not. 5.30 this morning. Yeah, I was right right by your house. (laughs) And I realize how long it is since I've talked to you. Mike, you know all about this. I didn't know about your injury. I mean, you fell out of a tree well, off a I ladder was, or what? I, yes, and I learned a real important lesson. When you're trimming um, tree branches, don't put your ladder on the branch that you're trimming. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> did you, is that what you did? You cut the branch that you were on? I did, uh, but, you know, obviously I didn't cut it on the wrong side. I cut it on the right side. It just moved? But then the branch, once half of the branch was gone and the weight was gone, it sprung upwards about a foot and a half. And my ladder had nothing but air. Uh And down I came and chainsaw in one hand and shattered my wrist. So I've got pieces of metal in there now holding me together. And yeah. I'm glad something's holding you together, Steve. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Our friend George Guthrie did the same thing. Did, did he? A fall. Yeah, had a fall. But he was he was getting getting a cat out of a tree. And, and I had a friend who was cleaning the gutters and fell yeah. off the ladder and was in the hospital for weeks. Yeah. 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 So. What George said, he, the, the doctor asked him, he said, do you ever see cat skeletons in trees? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> they get down. They will figure out a way. <laughs> well, all that by way of introduction. Well, I'm glad uh, you're okay. I'm glad you're pieced back uh, together. Yeah, too. yeah. Michael, what should we talk about with Steve here? Well, as we were talking before uh, about how a parallel our journeys mm-hmm. have been, mm-hmm. and uh, and and Steve has uh, tried to be faithful to communicate and you know where God is leading him, and and I, as I said before, we're, we, I think we both really our, our whole our whole time we, right. our our struggles have sort of been yes. similar right. uh, from the very beginning, right. and. Um, and so we just wanted you to help us to understand kind of where you are now and, and what what you're processing. And uh, I know you got a, a, a Spurgeon quote that— Right. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's been a, an interesting um, year, speaking about last, last year. And um, I lost both of my parents within a year and a half span. I remember that. And, and <clears throat> really wasn't prepared for the emotions that would surface— as a result of that, um, just a lot of of questions, um, and and people who have heard me uh, probably assume that I was one that had mostly answers, yeah. and I think I did for a lot of years. I look back over, you know, my early years of three-hour concerts where I exhorted everyone, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. straightened everybody out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this past year. Uh, I haven't had many answers. Well, but let me ask you this, just in terms, before we get started, in terms of your mom and dad, because 
my, my, did you have any regrets? Because you did it so well. Your parents moved close to you right next door, and you were right there caring for them. And, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and I haven't had the chance to do that. My mom lives someplace mm-hmm. else and won't let won't right. let us care for. Right. But, I mean, did you have, you have any regrets? You did it so well. You know, and, and thank you. And I think from all yeah. appearances, we did have the great privilege of caring for my dad the last nine years of his life, yeah. living right next door to us, my mom the last 10 years of her life. And, um, and yet, it's a bit more complicated than that uh-huh. because I was raised uh, in Argentina and uh, my folks were missionaries. And... Um, I really was sent away to a boarding school at age seven. Hmm. So it, it, it was complicated. Hmm. Um, there were a lot of painful issues of sense of abandonment. Hmm. Um, I hated the boarding school. Um, things that happen, you have no parent around to go to with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really, I spent um, third, fourth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade away from home. Wow. I didn't know that. Wes Stafford of uh, Compassion. Uh-huh. I don't know if you know Wes's story. Uh, there was actually abuse in the boarding school, which mm-hmm. is another whole story, right. but but his sense of abandonment as a child right. in Africa. Right. So, you know, it was really a privilege to care for my folks, but by the time my dad came to live next door to us, his Parkinson's would advance to the point where he wasn't the same dad. Mm-hmm. And... I think the relationship I had hoped to have with him, I couldn't have. So, yeah, I had to go through periods of anger, of questioning, uh, forgiveness. Mm. Uh, my dad was a fabulous missionary, but he was very absent. Yeah. Uh, he was a workaholic. Mm. Um, and I just don't have a lot of memories of him being around. He yeah. was always preaching and always doing something else. Mm. And so... Uh, you know, we did what we were supposed to do, and really the Lord did restore much to our hearts, and it was a privilege to be able to care for him up until the end. Yeah. But nothing is exactly as it appears, yeah, right? Okay. Yeah. And hmm. so there's always uh, stuff that, that each of us have to go through, and there's no perfect home, even though, you know, as you said, from the outside, it looked like ours was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's, that's what Isn't happened. Isn't it interesting, though, what the seasons bring? Yeah, you yeah. know. And and I think through all of this, um, uh, I just became a little bit more aware of God's hand even in the winter of our life. Um, when there's adversity, when there's difficulty, when there's uh, kind of an upheaval of emotion, uh, when there's perhaps the, the revisiting of issues during your childhood and your upbringing and all of those things, mm-hmm. um, to go back and realize that that God was present in those things, that He was authoring your story even yeah. then, hmm. um, and and to come to the place where actually we can love our story, where we can um, even the shameful parts and the and the hurtful parts, uh, to go back and say, uh, Lord, that that is who I am, um, hmm. and You were present in that, and. I look back and, and, and regret to a point that much of my um, leadership, I, I think I tried to do by a, an example of strength. Mm-hmm. And that can be inspirational, you know, sure. to, to give this sure. appearance that, that you've got everything together. But it really isn't a gospel story. Hmm. The gospel hmm. story is that God uh, paints on the canvas of our failure and our shame. Our brokenness. Our brokenness. That's the canvas he uses to show the glory of his grace. Mm. And so I think this has been a transitional year for me, learning to, um, as a someone once wrote, lead with a limp, uh-huh. uh, rather than mm. attempt to lead by strength, to go ahead and just acknowledge uh, the wintry times of your life and the difficulties and the questions and and let God demonstrate his strength and his grace in those things. Mm-hmm. You've mm-hmm. got Spurgeon in hand there on this topic. I do. <laughs> uh, Psalm seventy four seventeen. You have made summer and winter. Winter in the soul is by no means a comfortable season. And if it's upon you just now, it will be very painful to you. But there is this comfort, namely 
that the Lord makes it. He sends the sharp blast of adversity to nip the buds of expectation. He scatters the hoar frost like ashes over the once verdant meadows of our joy. He casts forth his ice like morsels, freezing the streams of our delight. He does it all. He is the great winter king hmm. and rules in the realm of frost. And therefore, we shouldn't murmur. Losses, crosses, heaviness, sickness, poverty, and a thousand other ills are of the Lord's sending and come to us with wise design. Hmm. Wow, he's the king of winter? Yes, he's the great winter king oh. and rules in the realm of frost. <laughs> Sounds like the theme of lament to me, Michael. Well, it is. It's... it's uh... It's looking God in the face and being honest about all the things you've been talking about, mm -hmm. that there have been hurts and disappointments and, and there are things that are still hard. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think he welcomes that. And that's comforting. You know, it's not a surprise uh, to him. Um, you know, the Lord uh, is so tender with us and so gracious with us to put up with um, our very honest complaints. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Of, of where we are, and at the same time, um, to turn those again into a, a sound of thanksgiving and praise yeah. because he is faithful yeah. in all those things. Sometimes we'll think those things were of our making, and sometimes yeah. they're just what happens in life. Right. You know, so how we respond is the... Yeah, and I, I think for the three of us, mm -hmm. there's, I mean, there are those things that, that you were talking about. There's the um, losing people that are close to you and... and but but I think all three of us are kind of in a transitional place, mm -hmm. and I know for me, I think this year as I as I as I look ahead, what I need to learn of all the things that I need to learn, I think my basic issue has just been trust. Mm -hmm. I just haven't lived like I really trusted because I wouldn't fret so much about yeah. winter mm -hmm. and about uh, those kinds of things mm -hmm. if I just. So you work harder to make it happen yourself. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll try to cover and I and yeah do do a little extra and and. <laughs> So I won't have to worry about things, but I just I wonder sometimes if I haven't really insulted the father, mm -hmm. because I just don't live like I trust him. Mm -hmm. I remember um, a strange situation: a, a, a lady was calling various ministries and trying to. Uh, she was really mentally disturbed, but finding a way into the top person in that ministry, and mm -hmm. her offer was uh, money. Uh -huh. And she got to many people in ministry, and one of them, of course, was me. <laughs> and she got through our office and finally got to me, and, and the story was her husband had died, and she was making an offer of an inheritance. Oh, know, I past, remember Remember this. that? Yeah. And, well, she and didn't her, call me. She obviously called the two of yeah. you. <laughs> well, she, she had nothing to give. But, the, but her story, the way she engaged you was, um, wouldn't it be nice not to have to worry ever again? about your support. Wow. You would be free to just serve do what you do. the Lord. Mm -hmm. And you know, the moment she said that, a flag went up. Hmm. Because I thought to myself, wherever yeah. did she find that? Uh -huh. I mean, I've read through the Bible many times <laughs> and I can't find that. Yeah. I mean, it's what I want. Yeah. You know, there's something in me that would love to be set for life and never have to worry again. Yeah. But God's design is a daily morsel <laughs> yeah. so that, um, and you know, I, th I think this is so right, that he sends the wintry blast because I don't think I've ever felt so needy, hmm. so dependent upon him. And that's exactly where he wants me. Yeah. That place of, uh, Gurnall said, you know the strength of a baby by the strength of its cry. And maybe the strongest Christian is the one who cries Cry the loudest. The loudest. Mm -hmm. yeah. hmm. Hmm. We're coming to the end of our time. This was to be a discussion about creativity here today, but the Lord took <laughs> us down a whole other hey, path, well, didn't he, Michael? Yeah, well, the, all everything that we're talking about is a demand for creativity. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do we creatively connect to God when, when we're in the midst of those mm -hmm. kinds right. of situations? It's a call for creativity. Mm -hmm. yeah. Steve, thank you for coming by. I hope you will come by more often than what we've done the last year Happy or so. Happy to do so. so. Thank you. Now, do you appreciate that we didn't make you sing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we can mention the latest CD is called Somewhere Between. That's right. It's out there and available. So, yeah. Steve Green dot com? 
Dot uh, org. Dot org. Yeah, I'm an org. You're an org. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> we'll link Someone it. Someone already bought the com. <laughs> uh, we will link it at michaelcard.com. Yes. How's oh, that? So, we're right. linked. Okay. Yeah. And since Steve's not going to sing for us, we're going to ask you to sing right now. Oh, I'd be glad uh, to. I will arise and go to Jesus. This old hymn, right? Yeah. song we are near the end of this session in the studio with michael card if you have a reaction to what's been presented today then please get in touch with us send your comments as well as your prayer requests and bible questions to in the studio at michaelcard.com we hope that many more of you will check in with us your stories are a source of great encouragement to michael and all of us on the staff so send your email to in the studio at michaelcard.com Through the web, you can stay connected with all that's going on with this broadcast and much more. We're found at www.michaelcard.com. And if you miss any part of today's program, or if you'd like to listen again, we hope you'll take full advantage of our radio archive. Online, you can find out more about how you can access the program podcast. Another way to stay connected with us is through our e-devotional. Each week, Michael prepares scripture and thoughts that coincide with this broadcast. Information about this helpful reminder and a complete listing of Michael's music and books and 2007 tour schedule can be found online at michaelcard.com. This radio outreach is now a part of the RBC family of ministries. We're happy to spotlight the great resources and devotionals that can guide you in the Word of God every day. You can find the way to these extensive web tools through the links at michaelcard.com. I'll give that again. It's michaelcard.com, and our email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. Our producer is Joe Carlson. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for being with us in the studio with Michael Card. In the Studio with Michael Card is produced in cooperation with RBC Ministries and the Moody Broadcasting Network.